Greetings and welcome to episode 249 of the Words About Games podcast, the weekly news and culture podcast for Words About Games. I am your host, Amy K. Alexander, and dazzling him with my flawless introductory skills that weren't so flawless last time he was here, Keith Robinson. I'm the mysterious stranger. Okay. Joining me this week... Bob, the mysterious stranger. It's a reference like three people are going to get. Yeah, it's a reference about three people to get, but I had had been gone for so long, people have forgotten what I looked like. So I decided to go with this man. I worked it out. The last time you were here was right before the Blitzchung Blizzard China fiasco. I do remember something about that. That's different from the Hearthstone um, issue, isn't it? Because that was one of the things before I left. That was the Hearthstone thing. Yeah, yeah. I think you were here for like the inciting incident, and then yeah, was, like, I, I do started. remember some. Yeah, I'm I'm not wearing the um, the Yang snood all the time. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say something, but I can't because it might be spoilery for all the people. So. Yeah, I, I do remember the inciting incident, and it was a couple of weeks of that. But um, a lot of since has happened to many different companies. Some of it I really can't understand, but when I see it to look back, I at those things anyway. <laughs> I'll, ask, other things I'll ask you the same thing I ask Moody every week. How are you? Um, I mean... I'm digging that mug. Let's get in it. <laughs> Goth mug. It's good. Hello Kitty mug. Yeah. Um... No, just a kitten mug. I found like the yeah. three different ones on Etsy. And I will one day own all three. Goes with its own spoof. Now I'm the Which one that's gone out of focus. Yeah. <laughs> one of the reasons I'm wearing the hood up is we're trying to experiment and just sort of fix the issue with my camera. That's very obvious in our D&D campaigns. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to answer how I'm, I'm doing, so I'm like, going to ask Amy, how are you doing? Well, like I said in Moody a while ago, I saw something on Twitter that really resonated with me a couple of months ago, which was like, nobody's fine <laughs> right now. Um, so that's a lie, if you just go, oh. yeah, I'm fine. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. like... I just had that certain image of, you know, her thing was like the, the room's on fire and the dogs are saying, this is I'm fine. fine. I'm fine with this. I, I just saw this wonderful picture and I think I saw it like a month ago, but it still makes me smile and I see it, it's just an image of an American firefighter with the, a, an image of just his dogs behind, just slung over his shoulder, like bursting out of a flaming house. <laughs> and it's just like, the speech bubble is just, no, now you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. Positive memes. Follow them on Twitter. No, I don't, but I keep sending this. Because well, yeah, I follow. I do follow them on Twitter, um, and also emergency cats. Lots of cat. Lots of cat Twitter. So like, my doom scrolling on Twitter is broken up by kins. It's great. Um, yeah. To the date the recording of this podcast, I've just found out that the third most influential person to me on Twitter is D and D memes. D and D memes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just a load of random, random D&D. I mean, stories. I found out my third most influential news source on Twitter is you. So, 
I was surprised that I thought your first one was like Jason Schreier and then like you know Kotaku. I don't know why. Maybe yeah. I just don't interact with like gaming it's news possible. on Twitter. It's possible all of the like the interactions of me and you about D and D related stuff. Yeah, you just all you know, just sort of like, hey, Amy, have you seen this in the games? Are you oh, Keith? Keith, have you seen this? Yeah, I don't understand how how that thing worked out, what it worked out. I don't think it's right. I think it's just how many times people at you, and I at you a lot. It's true. Comparatively. Um... We at each other all the time. But yeah, yeah, I rearranged the entire room. I was just meant to be doing some dusting, hanging some clothes, and the next thing I knew, everything was on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, no consoles on, on this side of me now. They're up here. The webcam shifted. The monitors are all on a level, so no more looking up to to look at chat when I'm streaming. Even though I still do look up all the time to a monitor that's not there. Yeah, it's a ring light. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have recently uh, today. I've done a little bit of re- uh, redirecting. The Switch is now living downstairs because I bought a new game, which is uh, Rhythm Fitness Two. But Ring Fit. Fitness Boxing Two: Rhythm and Exercise. I am not fit, and I have no rhythm. Okay, so um, I yeah, I've had two days of it so far. Um, but my brother's taking best on how long it takes me to kill. Especially <laughs> now, I've moved it next to a glass and metal coffee table, where I'm doing. Oh, that, that should end well. well. That should end well. We'll have to incorporate that into a charity live stream in the future. You can do two person ones, but I think they both need to own the game and have switches. Well, we all own switches. Everybody owns a switch. Although, maybe you just need the things that hand to hand to controllers. Maybe. But as it is a boxing game, um, yeah, you might need some sort of liability weapon. If he asks me to do a left hook again. Oh, Keith. I'm fully waiting for the text message. Can't do D&D. I fell through my table. I was trying to do a left hook. Well, I mean, it may be a while before we do DD again, so... Who knows? Um, yeah. Who knows? Shall we move forward? We shall. We shall. What are we talking about this week in episode 249? We are discussing... Sony reported closing down its PS3 and PS Vita online stores... Capcom's plans for celebrating Resident Evil's 25th anniversary, which was like three days ago, and more. There are time the <laughs> there are timestamps in the description below the video on YouTube, so you can just click around and find out what we talked about, and maybe if you want to see specific things, or you can just watch the entire podcast backwards. We don't mind. We're just happy that you're here. You also get the podcast on Spotify. Whatever they call on iTunes these days, I keep forgetting to look it up. Pop in. And all the timestamps are there as well. Moody assures me that they work. I've never actually used them. Spotify or I any of those apps. Before on YouTube. Oh, on YouTube, I know they work. But, like, I've never actually checked the podcast. I checked the podcast on Spotify once to see if it was working, and it was working. And then, mm-hmm. like, I always put the timestamps in the description on Podbean, which copies into all of the other audio apps, but I've never actually checked to see if the timestamps do anything or if they're just there. 
But uh, I'm just, I, uh, whatever. <laughs> I know there's people out there listening to it. If anybody wants to just leave a comment or at me on Twitter and just tell me if they work. Yeah, if they're just listening to you, it may be difficult for them to leave a comment. Um, but, you know, just at you at what address? Uh, it, it's also in the description. It's Jurovalod. I had to give my my GP receptionist my email address, which I've now just realized I've just doxed myself, but I'm going to lean into it now. The, <laughs> <laughs> and trying to spell it to them took like five minutes of the phone call. I shit you not, an entire five minutes. If you want something even better, um, because of circumstances, um, I need to have my the electricity put into my name at the moment instead of someone else's. And despite being told quite a few times what my name is, they have put it under the name of James Robinson. Hey. Because my name is Keith James Robinson, and they couldn't get it through their head that it was Keith James, not James Keith. Nah. Don't yeah. tell me about names. <laughs> I could beat you on some of on some stories, let's be fair. <laughs> Yeah, I, I bowed you on that one. There's one place where my, my initials are A0 because I'm Amy Alexander 02. And the 02 is actually what they've put my surname in as instead of it just being like, you know, the number at the end of yeah. end of the name. So I'm A0. And I was like, eh, close enough. Yeah, um, I don't understand that sometimes when places where you work and stuff, it's like, oh, we've already got number one of these people. Because I'm the 888... 880. Yeah, there's some random, like, there's some random numbers. Um, I won't say where I work, but there's some random numbers in my work email, um, which make no sense to me because I can't be that many people with my name. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's not an uncommon name, but like, yeah. combination can't be, can't <laughs> be that, can't be that common. Yeah. Like an earthquake happening outside. <laughs> I'm not. There was an airplane going over mine. You must have just left yours. Yeah, so, I must have uh, just gone over mine. Yeah, we live very close together. But let's and get people into the podcast and try and figure out what part of the flight path we <laughs> Let's get into video game news before we dox ourselves yeah. even further than we already have. Yeah. Sony reportedly closing PS3, PSP, and Vita digital stores. This is from Brendan Sinclair over at GamesIndustry.biz, who writes. Sony is planning to close its online stores for the PlayStation 3, PlayStation Portable, and PlayStation Vita, according to a report this week from The Gamer. The outlet cites a person familiar with Sony's plans in saying that the PSP and PS3 stores are set to shut down on July 2nd, with the Vita shop following on August 27th. The report further states that an official announcement regarding the closures will be made later this month. Sony did not respond to a GamesIndustry.biz request for a comment. The closures of the storefronts would mean hundreds of games would become unavailable for purchase. It's unclear if existing owners of games on those systems would be able to re-download them after the store's closure. The legacy version of Sony's PlayStation Store currently lists 393 full games on PS3 for download, 1,002 Vita games, and 58 PSP games. Those numbers include games that had a physical release, as well as those that are only ever released digitally, and even some games that were only ever available physically, like Guitar Hero Live on PS3. However, the above numbers don't include all the games that will be made unavailable if the stores close. 
The PlayStation Store also includes 211 PS1 Classic releases and 231 PlayStation Minis that are only playable on the PS3, Vita and PSP. Fucking fuck. <laughs> I mean, if it's going to be an issue of them just translating everything to the Legacy Store, it's just an admin thing. But if they're just closing down the PlayStation 3 store entirely, I do feel bad for some of those people who only have the PlayStation 3. Yeah, like on games. To dig a console out the loft, like I recently didn't, you know, just play some games on a TV. Yeah, like, you know, people, people use old consoles. Like, I'm doing my controller at respective at the moment, and... I have. Oh, sorry, I was just. Uh, I got distracted by something on my laptop. Yeah, um, something popped up on my screen as well. Yeah, I um. I've been playing Alan Wake to capture footage for Alan Wake because it's very relevant. We're talking about control, and and luckily for me, you know, Xbox has a very robust backwards compatibility service where you know you you could just play Xbox three hundred and sixty games on an Xbox One. It's it's really easy. Um, I downloaded Alan Wake, and I, I started it, and it, it took me to the Xbox 360 ecosystem, which was a nice throwback. Um, like, the UI and everything is the old Xbox 360 stuff. It's really fun. And I just played Alan Wake. But, like, that's, that's not the case if you want to play these PS3 games. Well, if you want to buy these PS3 games, it like, like the article says, it's unclear if you're going to be able to re-download them again. Um, because you download them from the store, which is about to be shut down. So, yeah. you know, like, it's a problem that could be a catastrophe, especially for game preservation. Because one of the things I've heard about PlayStation for a very long time is I want to play PlayStation games, Keith. I want to play, like, PlayStation 1 games. And I can do that. Um on my PlayStation TV, which is like, you know, the Vita if it was a console that you could plug into a TV, hence the name. Um, but you can't do it on PS4, and you can't do it on PS5. So, like, you can you can go on the PlayStation Store and buy Resident Evil, let's say, um, for a PlayStation 1, and download it and play it on a PS3 or a PS Vita. You can't do it on a PS4 or a PS5 for some reason. Yeah. Um, so they cl- once they close this store down, you, you just can't do it at all. Like mm-hmm. th- three generations of games will just be inaccessible. And then I'm sure at some point in the next six to twelve months, we'll hear about PlayStation complaining about people emulating their games. And we're like, well, I want to play them, so you haven't really left me any legal avenues here, guys. Yeah, I mean. It has traditionally been something that Sony does, which is to convince you to play the latest generation by not having backwards compatibility. Yeah. Yeah, when this came up, um, a quote from uh, Jim Ryan actually, like, resurfaced. Um, It was a quote from, like, years ago now, I think. Um, 2017 or something, where he was talking about being at a... He was talking about backwards compatibility because... uh, I think it was around about the time Xbox announced they were doing backwards compatibility, and uh, Jim Ryan was talking to someone. I've got the I've got the quote up here, um, where he says, 
When we've dabbled with backwards compatibility, I can say it is one of those features that is much requested but not actually used much. That, and I was at a Gran Turismo event recently where they had PS1, PS2, PS3, and PS4 games, and the PS1 and PS2 games, they looked ancient. Like, why would anyone play this? It's the guy in charge of PlayStation. Just in case you were wondering where this is coming from. <laughs> like, why would anyone play this? This is the reason that sometimes people who like you get the tribalism between the consoles with like people like, oh it's like people go oh yeah like PlayStation players only ever go for like the latest thing the biggest thing that has to be the most powerful content or with the best graphics and the new games all have to be the best and they don't care about the games that just came out like you know the AAA games that come out every single year snooze but yes I know. Um, and then you get Xbox players like oh yeah I, I kind of want to go back and replay this game like. Last couple of days, I was like, huh, you know what? I'm going to re... It, it, my computer died to a lot of my games. I'm actually going to go back and reinstall Chimera Squad. Because I, I like that like, game. And I'm going to just play a few like a few levels of it while I uh, while I do some stuff. I really like doing that. I am considering going back and reinstalling Bastion. That's cool, man. Like, yeah. I love that shit. Like, I started doing retrospectives because I like playing old games. Jim Ryan. Yeah, I, I um, understand. <laughs> no, it's like like I played. Obviously, I played Bloodborne, and then I played uh, Doctor Decker, um, and like, but like, I've also played Resident Evil Three. Like, my, my one of my videos last year was Resident Evil Three, not the new one. Well, yeah. actually, part, partly the new one, but also you know the one that released in nineteen ninety nine. I sit on the bed behind you and just like watch you play that game so many times yeah i played it. it's a ridiculous amount to the point that i played it what's night what's like 2020 so like 20 21 years later i played it and i still remember most of it yeah mm -hmm. um which was really good and really helpful for writing a retrospective about it but um, like 21 years after sitting on that couch i finally played it as an evil 2 <laughs> yeah like i will you know i streamed resident evil 2 last year um, the 1997 one. 1997. Um, because I wanted to play it. Like, new, like, new isn't always better. Yeah. I have one of my best memories from the, um, our charity streams back when we could meet up in person. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hopefully do another one of those this year. Yeah, um... Yeah, so um, that was cool. But um, the best thing is like just sitting on the couch next to you as you're playing, by muscle memory, Resident Evil, and they trying to keep us awake. Like at like half four in the morning, as it's come up with the wacky, crazy stuff of that because there weren't actually any zombies at the manor. That was that was the punchline. <laughs> but you just yeah, going across the entire screens by muscle memory because you. Why with your eyes closed because you were falling asleep was quite funny. It was. I enjoyed that. But um, yeah, like game preservation is something like irregardless of the fact that old games are just fun to play. Um, yeah. Like, give me an old PS One game over Days Gone any day, Jim Ryan. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, like game preservation is a big deal because. Like, I hear the idea that we've, like, lost a part of our history. our history in terms of, like, video games. Like, 
belongs in a museum. It don't, but it belongs in a place where people can play it. Play it like yeah. they've had this PS One thing up and running for a long time, and that went through the they went through the entire PS Four generation without making it available on PS Four. Like I've, I've said to Moody, like a few times like this this year that I hope part of them will get into this in, in the next news story that I hope part of the Resident Evil anniversary celebrations is that Capcom just releases the the original three games like, as a collection yeah not just because I want to play them of course I do but because like I think they'll make more money than they realize from people who mm. want to buy and replay those games yeah. Um, and it's the same for like PlayStation, but like across the board, like they've got a ridiculous library of PS1 and PSU games that they could make available to people like me who will buy them. Mm-hmm. It's just leaving money on the table for the sake of wanting to seem cool and seem like, you know, we have all the new experiences, uh, backwards compatibility, we don't need that. To, to be tangential for a second. I, as I alluded to before, have taken my sat-nav loss. I don't know if it works yet, but I do know it's worth £97 without any games if it works in the box. Interesting. That's a lot of money for something that came out in, what, 1996? You should see how much Dragon Force is worth. Uh, well, yeah. Full some of the games are worth lots. Some of the games are not so much. Full disclosure, I've, I've added Dragon Force to the list of games I want to make videos about, and I did look up how much it would cost for that setup. Um, too much. <laughs> too much. 1994. Dragon Force, yeah. It's, no, no. Oh, the Saturn. Yeah. yeah. Dragon Force is on the list, but it, well, I did look up how much it cost, and it was just like, oh no, I can't pay that f- for a video for a single video game. That's only slightly more expensive than a brand new AAA game on PS5. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I'll figure out my Saturn works uh, before in the before I, I sell it. <sighs> I mean, I'll try. I don't know if I could connect it or anything. But... No, no, I mean, <laughs> computer. The, there may be a TV here that I can connect to. Yeah, it, I'd need to capture video photos for a retrospective, so I might have to. Uh... Play it on something that's not a sign. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. Fair enough. Not holding the camera up the screen. I mean, nah, that, <laughs> nah, that wouldn't be very good. Um, but yeah, no, like all games are cool. Jim Ryan's lame, and please make these games available. Mm-hmm. PlayStation, please follow Xboxes, Xboxes example, something, anything. Let's move on. Yeah. Resident Evil is 25 today. Not today, but that's the headline. And Capcom's yeah. holding an April showcase to celebrate. This is from Andy Robinson over at VGC. He writes, Capcom has recognized Resident Evil's 25th birthday by confirming a new series showcase is planned to take place in April. Quote, we don't want to spoil any surprises, so we'll leave it to all of you to speculate on what his upcoming presentation might contain, the publisher wrote on Monday, which is 25 years from the original Resident Evil's release in Japan. The first Resident Evil showcase aired in January and included new information on Resident Evil Village, including a surprise demo release, 
Surprise, no more release. And the announcement of online the online game Resident Evil Reverse. The original Resident Evil game, released in Japan as Biohazard on March 22nd, 1996, before coming to North America just eight days later. Quote, While today marks the day the original Resident Evil launched in Japan back in 1996, this is just the start of the celebration, and on behalf of everyone at Capcom, I'd like to say thank you to all of the fans of Resident Evil the world over, wrote Capcom USA's community manager, Callan Haney. What started out as a single mysterious incident in the Arclay Mountains has since seen a myriad of games that showcase stories of survival, horror, and occasionally hope. Stories of dread unfolding in nearby Raccoon City, a tale of survival and sibling bonds in far-off isolated research facilities, sinister plots involving the president's daughter, complete with a suplex or two, globetrotting adventures in Africa, China, the United States, and beyond, complete global saturation, a ship like a floating mansion, and a city on the sea wiped off the map. Punching boulders in volcanoes, twisted experiments in fear, a story of family tragedy in Dulvea, Louisiana, a warm welcome to the family. No matter where you started with Resident Evil, we hope you're looking forward to what comes next. End quote. Punching boulders in volcanoes. Resident Evil went in some directions like... <laughs> yeah um i'll be I, I played the original sega saturn uh resident evil and then i got to the end and then i didn't touch the franchise uh again until the remake of the second one came out a couple of years ago um but i have seen over your shoulder um uh, one, I mean, one two, two three bits of four and then is it was it six in africa Five. Five. five, five I was all me and Russ. Well like me and Russ got got a copy early. We went to a, we were going to a midnight launch, but we ended up getting it like half ten, eleven. Yeah. And we were in like we just played it all the way through the night and our time was shockingly slow, but we were in like the top twenty in the world when we completed it because very few people had Yeah completed it <laughs> by that point. Yeah. Um, I, I never, never saw six. I've seen seven. You had me um, play, like the demo for no, a kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Resident Evil's good. I like Resident Evil. Yeah. It's good again. It wasn't for a while. Um, but now it's good again. And everybody's obsessed with the tall vampire lady. So. Yeah. They're clearly doing something right. Yeah. I haven't seen this much attention to uh, Resident Evil since that person made a comment about black zombies in Africa. Yeah. Wasn't a what great luck for the series. Um, <laughs> like, I've got a job to do, and it's just a gigantic Chris Redfield stomping on black people. Yeah. Was a bit was a bit awkward. Um... And it didn't help that five was a really fun co-op game, not a great game. Um, so they're doing another showcase, which I imagine will be the combat demo, because like we've known yeah. for a while that there's going to be a second demo, um, mm -hmm. which isn't going to be a PS5 exclusive. Um, it'll be available on all on all platforms, and it's going to showcase the gameplay because the maiden demo, which I covered in a in an episode of the weekly review ages ago i think it was the same time hitman came out so it must have been like january yeah um was just like a 
it was like a pro it was like a prequel prologue thing and it was like here's a part of the castle mansion thing you can yeah. explore it oh no vampires yeah vampire. <laughs> she, she is very tall like yeah she is and she's got these like extendo claw hand thing it's yeah it's uh is it lady deathstrike from x-men has the same thing bit, yeah i was terrified yeah we'll go with that moving swiftly on <laughs> It's gonna be a fun game, um, but I'm looking forward to this showcase. Like outside of Village, Village looks great, like and it looks great in the previous showcase. But then, like everything around what they were talking about, Barfellows just felt really underwhelming. Like I don't need a another attempt at a multiplayer Resident Evil game, like mm-hmm. that isn't just a multiplayer Resident Evil game, like. A, a, a classic style Resident Evil game in co-op multiplayer could be quite cool. And yet we keep getting these weird multiplayer games that aren't quite cool. Welcome to the Tale of Two Brothers, Resident Evil. That would be... Amazing. That would be something. <laughs> Especially if it controlled like exactly like... Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just like... So like, and then it was like, there's a Netflix series, which, I mean, I read the the synopsis for, and I was just like, why, 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 why? And then they're rebooting the movie franchise, but it's the same production company as the last time. I was going to say stuff like that, but then you told me it was the same production company as last time. And then there's a CG animated movie, which they've never been great, like... They're okay. Advent Children? The Resident Evil CG animated. Oh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've never been great. Not CG animated movies in general. I've never been great. That would be a that would be a wildly hot take. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of good CG animated films. Like, I'm just gonna throw that out there. But none of them are Resident Evil related. Like, Resident Evil CG animated movies are okay sometimes. But, give me, like, give me the, just give me the classic collections. Give me the classic collection. It's all I need. Three PlayStation 1 games in one convenient package. And I'll throw money at you. And then I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll enter my card details. Yeah. But, like, beyond that, I don't even know what they could talk about. Because... We're, we're announcing Resident Evil Zero has been remade. F4. That is next, apparently. They could announce Zero as being made and show clips of 4. <laughs> Just really confuse everybody. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's like, I don't know, like, they're not going to show any of Resident Evil 4 Remake, because it's not going to be out for a while. They want to do yearly Resident Evil games, and I don't know what they could possibly be ready to release in 2022. Something along the lines of that Resident Evil Umbrella Corps. Why? Why are you the way that you are? 
Amy is suddenly remembering why. <laughs> why she wasn't too sad that I stopped doing podcasts. Before. I was devastated when you stopped doing podcasts. But, um, yeah, it's just like, why would you like, but at the same time, it's like, why would you announce a new Resident Evil game like less than a month or a month before like Village comes out? Like, you don't want to do that and steal any thunder away from the one that you're trying to sell people. So, that leaves us with what I think is going to be, or what I hope isn't, what I think is going to be a very disappointing showcase where it's just the January showcase again with all of the same things, just, like, different footage. Mm. And I'm, I don't, I don't, like... I mean, I know you've got to announce the demo, the new demo somewhere, but yeah. I don't really care about that. Like, you never know; they might announce some sort of like game bundle, like you're saying. Yeah, of the original three or the the remastered three. Um, yeah, maybe they're gonna remake the remake, like Resident Evil One re- remake. The re re remake, the re re remake, <laughs> re the remaking, the re the re and then a block of text as you explain it. It because like I know like Resident Evil One is technically like the one that you can buy at the moment. It's technically a remake of the original game. Yeah, it's not technically. It is a remake of the original game, but it's also not in the style of the new remakes. So. Mm-hmm. Are they going to remake it again at some point to like bring it in it line with? This is like, do you want to play the Sega Saturn or PlayStation version? Hundreds of geeks suddenly go off to figure out what the difference was. Ah, uh, no. But um, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I'm intrigued, but at the same time, I'm not expecting or hoping for much. Like, it'd be nice to know what the hell they're going to do. Like, Resident Evil 3, the 2020 version, and even, like, Resident Evil 2, like, the remake, like, the two remakes, they both set up ongoing plot lines that never got resolved originally, because Resident Evil 4 was, like, a mini-reboot, and it took the series in a completely different direction, so there were, like, plot threads that never got picked up again. And, like, the remakes double down on those, which makes me think that maybe they are going to do something, like, a new game in, like, the remake timeline. Mm -hmm. But, um, I could speculate more, but considering my speculations, like, revolve around leaks that I've read about Resident Evil, I'm going to not do that. (laughs) And I will wait for those. I will wait to speculate about that kind of stuff until I played Res- until we all played Resident Evil Village. You don't. You know. I know you're not going to play Resident Evil Village. I mean, if the lead heavily into the vampire mythos, then <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> it just Resident Evil just becomes a vampire game from going forward because of the reaction to the tall vampire lady. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Microsoft for. A while. Um, yeah. Yeah, a while. Microsoft making moves, man. Those moves like Phil Spencer? Yeah. You got like moves. Well, the, the Phil Spencer move is 
as a sports jacket over a gaming t-shirt. Yeah. That's his move. Yeah. But Microsoft makes Xbox party chat free as part of its Xbox live free to play changes. This is from Tom Warren over at the verge. He writes, Microsoft is announcing that Xbox party chat will be free for Xbox owners soon. The software maker has started testing a new export dashboard, export, Xbox dashboard update with testers today that unlocks Xbox party chat, multiplayer and free to play games and the locking for groups feature. Xbox Party Chat is a surprise addition to Microsoft's announced plans to remove the paywall for free-to-play multiplayer games. The removal came after Microsoft was forced to reverse a price hike to its Xbox Live Gold subscriptions earlier this year. Microsoft is also renaming its Xbox Live service to just Xbox Network, which is part of dashboard changes the company is currently testing. Xbox testers can now access multiplayer free-to-play games like Fortnite without needing an Xbox Live Gold subscription. This puts Xbox in line with Sony and Nintendo's online services that also don't require a subscription for free-to-play games. The changes will also appear will appear for all Xbox owners in the coming months once Microsoft is ready to push this dashboard update out to all users. And then there's some stuff about the wireless headset, so we don't need really going anywhere. Um It's about time. <laughs> like 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 the, the article says, this puts Xbox in like in line with Sony and what Sony and Nintendo do, where it's like, if a game's free to play, you can play it for free. Which makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um, like, they can't... And at the same time, it's like, you can't really... You can't really make Fortnite... Like, the ability to play Fortnite free on Xbox, but mm. still require Xbox Live Gold for party chat. Yeah. Because then, you know, you know, if you're going to play a multiplayer game with your friends, talking to them is quite useful. It is. It is useful. I mean, there are times that we don't talk while playing multiplayer games. Oh, wait, that's because we're being sus on Among Us. Or getting Ryan drunk. But, um, no, this is good. Like, Xbox has been all about, like, breaking down barriers and trying to get as many people as possible like into game into games and into gaming and their ecosystem so this is just another move towards that and it's nice that they've done it but it really does make the xbox live gold subscription price like they tried to do earlier this year even weirder yeah like they've spent years like making everything feel more valuable like xbox game pass and then game pass ultimate and then like how relatively cheap those subscriptions are and the fact that you can access a ton of games on your phone if you've got xbox game pass ultimate um mm-hmm. the fact that games just come out on potentially three different platforms all that kind of stuff and then they were just like yeah we're gonna double the price of xbox live what yeah <laughs> just xbox live <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, have you seen the games with gold recently? They're not great. Which I wouldn't expect them to be because they've got Game Pass. Like, yeah. They're going to spend money on quote-unquote free games. Subscri- for, uh, subscription games. You're just going to put them in Game Pass. Yeah. 
almost feels like you're building a segue to like something there, but that's... I'm not. Nope. I don't even remember what order I put all these Microsoft stories in. Um, the next one is a report that Microsoft is in talks to buy Discord. This is from Sean Prescott over at PC Gamer, who writes, Discord is reportedly considering a sale, and according to Bloomberg, Microsoft is in line to acquire the platform for more than $10 billion. This follows a venture beat report earlier today which claimed that the game chat company is exploring its options for a sale and that multiple parties are interested. Uh, don't get too excited for another bombshell acquisition though because one of Bloomberg's sources said that Discord will likely go public rather than sell. It also notes that Discord has had discussions with Epic Games and Amazon in the past. Uh, and also it's very profitable. Yeah, I just summed up two, the next two paragraphs. Um... We use Discord. We use Discord right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, Skype is a thing. Teams is a thing. Zoom is a thing. How many video chat platforms do Microsoft need, exactly? Um, you got Teams as well. Yeah. Like, they have multiple video chat platforms. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, I mean, I get it. Discord is a popular, popular right. app, but it's... It's inextricably linked with like gaming and like people playing games, mm -hmm. um, but I don't understand why they would need another one. Yeah, unless they just want the one that everybody's using. Yeah, but as far as I'm aware, oh. like yeah, but Zoom is also really popular, which is which is a Microsoft yeah. thing, yeah. and I'm guessing Skype is popular among older people because that was the first one they heard of, and they yeah. don't change them their, their software around as much as we do. Yeah, to be honest, if it wasn't for the issue we had using Skype, I wouldn't uh, move to Discord. Yeah, I mean, that's why we moved to Discord, right? Because when we were doing podcasts, Skype just became worse and worse to the point where it was practically unusable as a podcast. Uh, hosting. Have they actually cut, um, or am I imagining that they cut updates to Skype? I don't know. <clears throat> I feel like they did. I use it once every, every month for counselling, like yeah. now that we're in a pandemic. But um, yeah. that's I it. I updating Messenger. But um, now that I think about it, oh man, MSM Messenger, I want to throw back. Yeah. But now that I think I'm, about it, I've never had to update Skype. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they stopped. Just It was around the time we were moving. Um, I think they made an announcement that there was only going to be X amount of updates left for Skype or something. Because they say they own a lot of different ones. Yeah, it's true. I mean, at the moment, my computer's shouting at me because Windows 10 needs updating because the version i have isn't going to be supported for yeah yeah i did that earlier in the and week. i'm just like i'll get around to it the last time i did it it like reset a bunch of settings of podcasts got yeah. ruined it was a whole thing so i'm like putting it off for as long as possible but um it'd be a i mean it'd be a smart acquisition for, for microsoft to buy discord it'd be a smart acquisition for anybody to buy discord yeah um they they like because Discord does like a premium thing. I've never used it or understood what it does, but I imagine like they can then use that and roll that into a Game Pass, like mm -hmm. everything else. Um, yeah, and it's it's got a big user base, and honestly, it is a better voice chat platform than Xbox Party Chat. So there's a reason when when we stream video games. Where we chat to each other on it, even when we're playing on Xbox, I prefer to use Discord where possible for uh, for chatting. 
But we'll see what comes of it. It's just a report at the moment. Microsoft, you let buy buy companies at the moment, so they got their money, gotta spend it. Uh, what we got next? Deathloop Dev opens up on how Xbox Game Pass gives Arcane creative freedom. This is from Liana Rippert over at Game Informer. He writes, Deathloop is the newest IP from Arcane Leon, and its art style and time jumps are intrinsically fascinating. What's also fascinating is how the Xbox Game Pass continues to evolve and seemingly pushes the industry in a positive direction in many ways. So what's the correlation between the two? Creative freedom. In a recent interview with Press Start, Deathloop director Dinka Bakaba and art director Sebastian Metten opened up about the positive impact the Xbox Game Pass has had on the team. Following ZeniMax's acquisition, which includes studios like Bethesda, id Software and Arcane, the developer revealed that the news was a shocking one, but welcome. Quote, It was pretty surprising, I would say. End quote. Bakaba told the site, but he added that this, is, this move made sense. A big reason behind this being a good fit, according to the game director, is that the studio is incredibly creative and driven. The team prides itself on creating unique content, which is evident with prior titles like Prey and Dishonored. While Xbox has had some major downfalls through the years, Phil Spencer's leadership has been a positive force for the gaming company, bringing it back to where it belongs, with the gamers. In a bid to play to its strengths, Xbox has made a drastic change in its overall strategy in recent years. Uh, advert for another Game Informer article. A part of that stark pivot focuses on its digital ecosystem with the Xbox Game Pass at its epicenter. While there are still logistic concerns about profit with the freebie aspect of day one launch titles and a rotating library of free games, there are many positives that come with this focus as well. This includes the philosophy Xbox has adopted regarding a more hands-off approach to the studios it has acquired. Quote, being able to be a part of the Xbox Game Pass ecosystem makes things a bit different for us because we can occupy a space in that service and we will continue to make the kind of games that we make and make them well. If you've looked on social media, you'll see that games like Prey and Dishonored 1 and 2 coming to Game Pass, a lot of people are saying that you need to play these games and have no excuse not to, so it's been very encouraging. It's a service that will allow us to remain creative and have the audience and build that relationship over time, and that's really exciting. End quote. Slash end article. Game Pass is cool. Because of everything that is said in this article. I mean, it's cool for a lot of reasons. But yeah. one, of, one of the great reasons is, like, people can make games without having to worry about how many copies they sell. Which is a strange concept in a couple of environments. I know, right? Like Microsoft just went in completely the opposite direction. I mean, it is a capitalistic move. They just they're realizing that you know, yeah. hey, what if we offered all of these games at a regular recurring subscription price that's lower than sixty dollars a pop? Maybe people who aren't aren't willing or aren't able to spend sixty dollars a go on video games will give us ten dollars a month to play these games, and then yeah. we can make because from Microsoft's perspective, that's ten dollars more than they were going to get off people. Makes sense. Although, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of leads well into another article you've got on here to kind of explain about. Yeah, we're going to get into into this because, like, there's an aspect of Game Pass that I've talked about on on this podcast since Game Pass's inception that keeps coming up, and I don't understand. And me and Keith are going to try to understand it in a second. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I just 
I love the idea that a studio like Arcane can just really get weird with it now. Like, they don't have to worry about the commercial viability of a game that they're making. They can just go fucking ape shit. Because it's one of the, that's one of the reasons why I love Control. Um, spoilers for an upcoming video, I guess. But, like, it's just... It just feels like Remedy indulging themselves. Yeah. Um, and I want to see more game developers just indulge themselves. Because... The perhaps one of the most brilliant set pieces in the game I've seen in a long, long time. Absolutely. And maybe if they maybe they, if they weren't indulging themselves, we wouldn't have got the specific band who does the music for that scene. Like, if you really drill into what happens in that section of the game, which I do in an upcoming video, look out for it. Um, like, the layers. Uh, there's just layers to that entire scene that's just like... Ubisoft or EA wouldn't have made this game. Like, they couldn't. They couldn't make this game. And, like, developers of that size are finding a home more and more frequently on Game Pass, like Arcane. And that's really exciting. And also, it's really nice to not have to worry about affording certain games when they come out. Like, I know Deathloop is a PS5 exclusive, so I have to worry about where I'm getting that game from. But, like... Halo Infinite, for yeah. example. Like, I don't need to worry about where, about like when that game comes out. Can I afford it? What? It's it's just gonna be there, and that's great because it's affordable. And also, the multiplayer is gonna be completely free to play, which is also cool. I just scroll past the next one. So, this is the part of Game Pass I don't understand, and we're gonna try and figure it out now. Probably unsuccessfully. This isn't the first time we've tried to figure it out. Xbox says Game Pass subscribers spend 20% more overall. This is from Andy Robinson over at VGC. He writes, Mike, uh, Xbox Game Pass subscribers spend 20% more overall than non-subscribers, Microsoft's gaming ecosystem's boss claimed. Speaking as part of a wide-ranging feature on Forbes, Microsoft exec Sarah Bond said that many additional monetization opportunities in gaming were differentiated between Game Pass and on-demand video services like Netflix. Unlike on video streaming platforms, Game Pass users continue spending money via in-game transactions, expansion content, and the purchase of additional games, Bond said. According to the exec, Game Pass subscribers spend on average 20% more time playing games, play 30% more games, and play 40% more genres. Quote, when you subscribe to a channel that enables you to watch a video like Netflix, that's kind of the end of the monetization cycle that you have with that piece of content. In gaming, it's the opposite. There are items that you can buy in the game. There are extensions you can buy. There's a next franchise you can purchase. There are other genres that you can leap to. There are 200 million people who buy a console. And there are 3 billion people who play games. Today, a lot of those people don't have the option to play many of these amazing experiences and iconic games that you see. When you really look at what we're doing with Game Pass, is we're making that possible by linking that to subscription and putting our streaming into subscription. We're able to make the economics of all of that work, end quote. So, I mean, I get the, the extra spend, right? Like, I've done it before. <laughs> Where it's just like, oh, I got this game as part of Game Pass. So, I don't mind throwing the developer some money on a, <laughs> on a fucking piece of DLC or whatever. Or like yeah. Apex Legends, where it's like, I've played this game for 100 hours. Maybe I should 
Like, I feel like I uh, I should give them some money. <laughs> I feel like I've earned this battle pass because I've spent 100 I mean, they earned this battle pass because I have spent $100 yeah. on it. It's like, I, they've earned the £10 yeah. that they got from me. Like, I feel like... But, like... And that, that makes sense, right? It's like, yeah. if you... Like, if you... Because Control, the game we were just talking about, is in Game Pass. Which it's the base game that's in Game Pass, mm-hmm. and if you want to, if you want to continue playing the game, there's DLC for it yeah. that you can buy, and it's cheaper because you're a Game Pass subscriber. Like it was the same when I was playing Fallout New Vegas last year. It's like you get the DLCs for it. They're not part of Game Pass, but they're pretty cheap if you're a Game Pass subscriber. And I get that, and that makes sense. Like. Someone who isn't hasn't bought Control or had no intentions of buying Control, but then plays it via Game Pass, was definitely never going to buy the Foundation and AWE DLCs, but then did. So that's money that Microsoft was never going to get in the first place without Game Pass. The thing that's not really mentioned here is that the is the multiple developers and publishers we've heard from that say that their sales increase when their games go into Game Pass, and I don't understand that. And I know. I mean, I is it possible that their games are only in Game Pass for a limited time? I mean, most maybe. games are, apart that aren't Xbox Game Studios games. Yeah, maybe they're playing these games a bit and go, you know, this is actually pretty cool using Game Pass as a demo machine. Oh, maybe. There um, are a lot of games on Game Pass. Yeah, and it's like, oh, this is cool. And maybe they're playing some games getting all the way through and going, yeah, I- I've completed it. That That's fine. Um, and maybe to find the games like, this is cool, but I don't have the time to finish it right now. I'll buy it when it's in Game Pass, and I can keep coming back to it. There's also possibly the people who have um, a lot of money who are buying Game Pass because it's the premium like service, and when they find a game in it that they like, they're going to put the money on it anyway. But I would imagine the demo service is something that's more along the lines, because you don't really get that many game demos now. No, you certainly get more than you used to. But, um, yeah, you still don't really get all that many game demos. I mean, I've just found, like, like a box full of game demos from the 90s. And that's what I was Because you remember that era as well. It was like, you get the September version of the PlayStation Sega Saturn magazine, and there was, like, I think there's one second. Totally no problem. I'll talk while you do that. It's like, I mean, game demo discs were a marketing tool for the magazines, right? It was, it, that was a reason people, people bought the magazines, right? Like I bought a specific PlayStation magazine because it had a Resident Evil 2 demo at one time. By... Oh, that's uh, So this, you might not be able to really read them because... Uh, yeah, you can read them. Sega Flash Volume 5, so this is for Sega Saturn Magazine. There's Sonic Jam, Die Hard Arcade, Sonic 3D, Flicky's um, Island, and Sega Rally. It's playable demos on this disc. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven just demo, like just like basically like videos, which included Last Bronx, Resident Evil, Dragon Force, Wipeout 2097, Duke Nukem. Sega Car Championship and Enemy Zero. Enemy and... Zero. Wait, I think I've I played that demo disc. 
Resident Evil and Enemy Zero. I, I did. Those are trailers. And I remember that because my friend, I was around at his house and we watched the Resident Evil and Enemy Zero trailers <laughs> on the demo disc. That's wild that I even remember that. Yeah, I just found Nights into Dreams Christmas edition as well. I completely forgot about that. I own Nights into Dreams on PC. I don't know why. Um, But yeah, like Game Pass is cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Especially with all the games added recently. Way back when you get like four playable demos a month, maybe with Game Pass, you got a lot of playable games a month. Yeah. Which you can use. I mean, the demos. games don't cycle in and out that fast, so. Yeah. Might but, take you a while to find a game that you like, but. It wouldn't. Like, it might take you to take you a while to find a specific game if you're just browsing the catalog. Mm-hmm. But there are that many good games on it, it wouldn't take you long to find a game that you like. Mm-hmm. For starters, Alan Wake begins with A, so it's right mm-hmm. at the start. Got him. <laughs> I love Game Pass, I really do, and I'll never stop talking about all of the different ways in which it, it, it's wonderful. And when the Microsoft exclusives start dropping in a, in a year or two, like, hold on to your butt. I'm going to skip that. This isn't... We've got a nice energy going, and I don't want to ruin it. Cool. Speaking... Plus, you were talking about game demos, so... Yeah. (laughs) Steam Next Fest, coming in June, will feature hundreds of game demos. This is from Jordan Olliman over at IGN. He writes, Valve has revealed Steam Next Fest, a celebration of upcoming games coming in June, which will feature, quote, hundreds of game demos and oodles of live streams, end quote. Oodles. People still say that. Steam Next Fest will kick off on June 16th and run through to June 22nd. This is Valve's new name for the Steam Game Festival, which previously allowed users to check out demos of upcoming games, speak to their creators, and get an insight into their development. Valve wrote, quote, We've renamed the Steam Game Festival to more directly communicate its focus, announcing Steam Next Fest, a multi-day celebration of upcoming games. Explore and play hundreds of game demos, watch developer live streams, and chat with the teams about their games in progress coming soon to Steam, end quote. The last Steam Game Festival took place in February of 2021, providing Steam users with a glimpse at indie games like Genesis Noir, Narita Boy, and many more. Uh, the dates line up with E3 2021's reported dates of June 15th to June 17th. E3 will also be a digital event this year, with an in-person component seemingly cancelled. Seemingly cancelled. Is cancelled. Come on, IGN. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, Steam Summer Game Fest is back, and it's being called the Steam Next Fest. Which... It feels like they've changed the name to be a bit more obfuscating. To people who don't know what it is, as opposed to like clearer. Like if you know what a game fest is, the hell's a next fest? It's also not that easy to say now that I've said it like six times in a row. Steam next fest. Steam next fest. Steam next fest. I mean, I'm not saying it's a tongue twister or anything, and I feel like if you say that three times in a mirror, like Gabe Neal is just going to appear behind you. And beat you to death with Half-Life 3. (laughs) (laughs) 
How can you beat me to death for something that does not exist? Exactly. Um, but it's cool. Like the part I always get tripped off on, and this is gonna sound weird, right? Because you know, the bigger the better. But like the part I always get tripped off on with these things is like there are gonna be hundreds of game demos. It's like look, right? I went all in last summer on the Summer Games Fest, the Steam Summer Games Fest. And let me mm-hmm. tell you, finding games that I wanted to try was so much work. <laughs> it was so much work. Like, discoverability on Steam has always been fucking terrible. But, like, even in the demos, because there's just so many of them. When they're talking about hundreds, they're not talking about 200. Like, I'm pretty sure it was something like eight or 900 demos at the Summer Games Fest last year. That's too many demos for anybody to reasonably scroll through and find the next thing that they love. And, like, I did. I was in lockdown at the time. Like, I had the time to put in the work to find those games. Like, I skipped the, the one in February. Because I was like, I am, I'm not putting that much work into finding demos of games. Yeah, I mean, the one in June... Um... A lot of people may be not going on holidays, so they may have the time. Plus, I'll be covering E3. Like, it's not like E3 is going to be a non-event this year. It's a thing where things are going to happen. Yeah. Even if it doesn't happen at E3, things will happen. Yeah. Like, Square Enix was talking about doing something in the summer. Bethesda's talking about doing something later in the summer. Microsoft is doing something in the summer. Like, E3 is is probably back. Like, even if it's just going to be a series of digital events. Devolver Digital. Oh, Devolver Digital did thing did the thing last year, and it was just everything I've come to. It was Moody. The best part was it was Moody's first one. Yeah, the Devolver Digital Cinematic Universe. And he hadn't watched any of the ones beforehand. So he was... I kept telling him it was weird. Yeah. And he kept, and he went into it with the same energy. Do you remember the first Devolver Digital Direct? The, the one where you said you were going to leave the room and let me. And I left the room and you and Russell watched it. And you got the joke as soon as Nina Strothers came out and fired a gun in the air seven times. You just drew the gun and knew what was going to happen. But Russell continued to try and treat it like it was a press conference. Yeah. Moody, <laughs> went, <laughs> Moody yeah, went in with the energy that Russell had of trying to treat it like a press conference last year because yeah. he didn't know any better. For longer than he probably should, and wait, we can pirate our own games. Yeah, Devol- I don't know how they're gonna top the uh, Devolver Land Expo game, though. Yeah, they'll find a way. They always do. But yeah, that was some next level shit. I kind of describes Devolver Digital in a nutshell. <laughs> oh God, I love, I love their stuff. I love their stuff. I love their swagger. And I like a lot of the games, so that's nice. That's always nice. But uh, yeah, the next fest, like June sixteenth to June twenty second, it's basically just those are the E three dates, more or less. So we'll see if if Steam can fix its discoverability stuff. It's still cool that it's a thing that's happening, but like. I remember this time last year we, when everything was getting cancelled. And the summer of gaming was, was just starting to be kicked around as a concept. And it was like, 
trying to figure out, oh, what is this going to look like? And people were talking about like, oh, they're, they're going to put demos up for like, like you would get at E3 and it's going to be like AAA demos. Like PlayStation might release a Ghost of Tsushima demo. And it was like, no, none of that happened. But we'll see what happens this year. Like, I think any show going forward at this point is going to have to incorporate a massive digital component even when in-person events become a thing again sometime in in the year 2026 speaking of e3 one of our favorite one of my favorite e3 moments anyway ikumi yep. nakamura is launching her own studio this is from brendan sinclair over at gamesindustry.biz he writes former ghostwire tokyo creative director ikumi nakamura is opening her own studio the news was revealed in a video published on Cutscenes, a YouTube channel run by Japanese press outlet GameSpark and Japanese documentary maker Archipel. In the 17-minute clip, Nakamura explores a variety of abandoned buildings as she explains voiceover her ambitions to open her own small studio to work on original intellectual property. The name of the studio is not announced. As with Ghostwire, she will serve as the studio's creative director. However, she is planning to handle the role differently, considering she left her previous creative director role at Tango Gameworks in 2019 because it had been negatively impacting her health. Quote, I started wondering whether there wasn't a way for me to make games while feeling better. I took the decision to quit before it was too late. I was running away in a way. However, I believe that running away can be very positive. Rather than stacking things upon oneself, I think that running away for something better is the healthier choice. End quote. One thing she said she's looking to change is a tendency to micromanage. Quote, I used to be the type of director who stepped too much into each department. I want to try and control this and be able to entrust my team more. End quote. Nakamura also wants her new studio to have full gender equality and to hire many non-Japanese developers despite possible language barriers because she values a mix of cultures. As for the project itself, Nakamura spoke about it only vaguely. Quote, One thing I'm aiming for, and this quote is just amazing, by the way, spoiler alert. One thing I'm aiming for is to stop making games too seriously. If I had to compare myself to a Marvel character, I would go with Deadpool, who's left out of the Avengers. I want to make a game full of dark jokes. End quote. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, I'm just off the energy that she had when she came out on that stage. Yeah, like, I can't even remember which E3 it was. It was the same one as Keanu. Yeah. Was that the one where Bethesda had, like, they had that one guy who was literally cheering everything? That doesn't really narrow it down, but yeah. No, it doesn't. No, well, the one, there was one, the one with Andrew WK. Oh, yeah! And then... Yeah, Ikumi Nakamura came out, and she's the only thing I remember from that that Bethesda press conference. Yeah. <laughs> to announce Ghostwire Tokyo. It's spooky. <laughs> yeah. So good. Like, if she brings her energy to an independent development studio and gets to make whatever game like she wants to make, or like her, the team that she assembles wants to make... I'm down, I'm in. Do it, let's do it, let's go. Put that game on my PlayStation as soon as possible, and I'll give you all the money in the world. I think it's going to be a spooky game. 
what I wonder is which which console manufacturer will get her to appear on their direct? Because whichever well, one signed, because she's one of them, they'll be they'll be trying to sign the exclusivity deal or the marketing rights or whatever for the game. Just so like like if it was me, I'd be doing it just so I could have Kumi Nakamura come out on stage, yeah, or virtual stage or whatever, and just do a thing. I mean, you've already shown your unconscious bias in this piece. It's very conscious. It's not unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very aware of my bias. <laughs> my PlayStation 5 is 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 the only current-gen console I have, so it is my default third-party games machine right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's you didn't have a third kidney, so... I know, right? You can live with no kidneys, but you can't live with minus one kidney. I can't owe someone a kidney. Uh, oh, yeah. Back for Blood, delayed till October. Uh, this is from Austin Gosselin over at Polygon, who writes, Back for Blood, the spiritual follow-up to Left for Dead from series creator Turtle Rock Studios, has been delayed until October 12th. The company announced the delay on Thursday with a short statement on Twitter. Back for Blood was originally scheduled to come out on June 22nd, but according to Turtle Rock, the developers need more time to get the game to where they'd like it. Fortunately, fans won't have to wait all the way until the fall to try the game's zombie action. In the same statement, Turtle Rock announced that it plans to release an open beta for Black for Blood sometime this summer. And I'm just going to roll through and read the second one. We can talk about them both at the same time. Humankind is Delayed will now release in August. This is from Molly Taylor over at PC Gamer, who writes, Humankind, the historical 4X game from Amplitude, designed to directly rival the Civilization series, has been delayed until August. The game was originally due to release on Steam and the Epic Game Store on April 22nd, but it's been pushed back to allow the team to work on perfecting accessibility, pacing, diplomacy, AI, and much more. The delay comes from feedback from community open dev sessions, something which Amplitude has been utilising throughout development to let players help shape how the game turns out. Uh, yeah, whatever. Humankind will now release on August 17th on Steam, the Epic Game Store, and Google Stadia. So, like, I mean, this is a recurring theme in podcasts, <laughs> but, like, this is... The curse of COVID. Uh, this, yeah, this oh. is just going to be a recurring theme in 2021. Like, all, like most games... Are going to be delayed. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um. And it's fine. Like you know, take your time. Don't crunch. Make make the game the make the game the best that it can be. Because I'm really looking forward to both of these games, <laughs> especially Back for Blood. And I can wait. Where you're in for Back for Blood, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I put it on my uh, Air Fantasy for the games list. So. Yeah, like, yeah, like, I can't, I can't play Life for Dead, spiritual successor, like without you to shoot me in the back with a shotgun, just as I'm boarding the helicopter. <laughs> I'm shooting the zombie off you, okay? You missed. <laughs> <laughs> I got the zombie. I got you as well, but I got the zombie. <laughs> speaking of me being sus. Speaking, speaking of you shooting me in the back with a shotgun while I'm trying to board a helicopter. Among Us's new map, the airship, coming March 31st. This is from Nicole Carpenter over at Polygon, who writes, 
Among Us's new map, the airship, will be released on March 31st. Developer Inner Sloth announced Thursday. It's a good job I waited to put these show notes together because a lot of stuff, a lot of this stuff happened today. The new map was originally revealed in December and will arrive as part of a free update that adds ladders, a basic account system for moderation, and the ability to pick the room you start in, the developer said. Of course, there are also some new hats. Among Us launched in 2018 with a single map, with two other maps added over the years, making Airship the game's fourth playable map. The game, however, absolutely blew up in 2020. Which is an understatement. And the success caught the developers off guard, it said in its latest update. Quote, I explained this a bit in our last devlog, but Among Us's popularity was something no one expected, and quite late into 2022. We'd already considered the game done, and had moved on to something else. End quote. And so creating the map took time, which is normal in game development, as the team started working on Among Us, while dealing with the game's newfound massive popularity. In Thursday's update, Innersloth went over the details of the challenges that came up during Among Us's huge year, including maintenance, hiring, and a whole bunch of meetings. Airship's coming. We get I'm one. hoping there's a monocle. Like a really ornate gold monocle. Or just any monocle. Well, I, what I'm really hoping for is to get the um, Halloween hats and stuff back, because when my thing died, I lost that from my account. Oh. I want that which uh, was a tap back. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. But um, Among Us is the game we play a lot, so it's good. Um, do you want to talk for a couple of minutes while I quickly run to pee? Totally Fair professional. Enough. Okay, um, talk I about Among talk... Us for a minute. <laughs> uh, Among Us. Uh, I mean, first off, stabby stabby night. Um, is a Saturday night. Um, there's usually just less than 10 people in our group but it can go up to the full lot and even beyond um there's often up to three different people streaming the game which is elf daughter crafts the words about game channel which is uh, most normally done by amy herself and moody has started streaming it as well as someone else it may be rabbinical i do not know his handle on which however so, um, potentially four different people streaming among us on one night. So you can see various different oh no screams and is it Ravinical who does the other um, stream? So it's twitch.tv slash words about games where you'll find out that myself and Moody. Twitch.tv slash elf daughter craft. Got that one. Twitch.tv slash Ravinical. Ravinical. I thought it was Ravinical. That little bit of doubt clipped in my head there. Like, I imagine having both a Ravinical stream and a Words About Games stream up at the same time when Moody's the one on the Words About Games stream will be entertaining. <laughs> murder train. Especially when Amy turns up and murders Moody in front of Ravinical. Yeah. Yes. Yes, there is an edited video coming up about that very shortly yeah. on Words About Games YouTube channel because it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the game, even before we know it, because, like, if someone kills it, like, would he be in front of me? I'm not doing anything. And then they did it. And then someone did it. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Ryan lied his ass off for the rest of the match about who yeah. the other imposter was. Because you were the other imposter. I killed a lot of people, and I was like, hmm. You, you killed Paul in front of Smashy. 
And it was a good job you did because one, you got rid of the body almost as soon as I created it. But two, because everybody was talking about how you had killed Paul, it meant that I could mute my microphone and laugh my ass off for like for like forty five seconds. Because if anyone had asked me a question at the beginning of that discussion round, I was screwed. (laughs) It it, it scared me that we both smashed. Yeah, I just did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just sort of like, I, I killed Paul, and then someone walked in as I was walking out, and like, I really hope they're not in visual being. They were in visual range. Punk. It was good, though. It was good. Yeah. It, it's a laugh. It's a great laugh, and I'm looking forward to like a new map with new mechanics and new tasks and new locations and a whole new like thing where you can like choose rooms that you start in. Which will add an extra dimension to the lying and sneakiness. Um, and it's all to be, like, I mean, we're not great at the game anyway. But to be, like, terrible at the game again. Because, like, we will be when we're on a new map. Because we won't know what the fuck we're doing. We barely know what we're doing now. I mean, I only, I, I, I know the first map. The third map we're down, which is, like, you know, the um, planet one. I kind of know. But when it comes to that other one. Yeah, the snowy one. If you're one of the people that sticks around a lot for um, hide and seek after people leave, you'll know that map very well because that's the map we do hide and seek on. Yeah, I have never played hide and seek. Oh, we'll have to change that this week. I get I get a lot of Sunday early start like I've got this week. Oh, we'll have to change that sometime in the future. Yeah, uh, probably weekend after because I'm off like the whole weekly weekend. Cool. We'll set it up. I mean, the weekend after we'll be playing the airship map all day, all night. I would imagine. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of things nobody will be playing all night long, Valve blocks Super Seducer 3 on Steam. This is from Matthew Handran over at GamesIndustry.biz. He writes, Valve has refused to sell Super Seducer 3, a full motion video game which players are tasked with picking up women. Speaking on Twitter over the weekend, series creator Richard LaRuna said that Valve had banned Super Seducer 3 from Steam. A page is gone and 61,700 wish lists are gone. Prior to this, they told me to expect either approval or feedback. We repeatedly said we'd do whatever they needed. Laruna has included screenshots of an apparent conversation with Valve which suggests the decision was taken after a series of, quote, product resubmissions and product reviews. End quote. Uh, this is uh, the next quote from Valve. Quote, as we have mentioned previously... <laughs> Steam does not ship sexually explicit images of real people. Well, actually, of real people. I don't know if that's true or not. I think there was a thing previously about, you know, the craftable trade, like, card things and the items people can make in their workshops. I think that's what they're referring to there. Gotcha. The firm emphasized that the inability to find common ground after multiple attempts had led to an impasse between the two parties. As such, Valve said, this decision is final. Laruna has encountered similar issues in the past. In March 2018, Super Seducer was blocked from sale on PlayStation 4, six months after Kickstarter had suspended its crowdfunding campaign. I can't say I'm too broken up about it, to be honest. No, I mean, you've mentioned Super Seducer before. I've played Super Seducer before. Yeah. It's, uh, it's horrible. It's just horrible. Like, I mean... Yeah, I'm having, I'm having like flashbacks here now, mm-hmm. where it's just like you, you encounter a woman and you have to try and pick her up because like pickup artistry is a whole subculture. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, if you pick the wrong decision, Richard Laruna is sitting on a bed. And he's like, no, that was wrong, and let me tell you why. And then if you pick the right one, he's sitting on a bed, and he's like, hey, congratulations, that was the correct decision. And and your award for the correct decision is that the two women on the bed with him who are in their underwear. Like, because, you know, in the pickup artistry community, women are objects to be won or displayed. Like, one of the things where it's like, the first scenario in that game... And I only played, like, two scenarios in that game because I refunded it. I was literally only playing it to see if it was as bad as everyone said it was. Um, was, like, woman on the street. And, like, the first thing you have to do is, like, get her attention. And literally, like, the first piece of advice that Richard Laruna gives you is, like, no, you want to make sure that you stand directly in front of the, the strange woman who you've never seen before in your life who's just walking down the street to block her path so that she's forced to talk to you. And I was like, oh, so we're going to go this kind of game. <laughs> Great. Stuff that could get you done for harassment. <laughs> yeah, stuff that you shouldn't do because fucking you don't want to be a shit person. And then in the second game, it opened with Richard Laruna blowing up like all of the YouTube critics who had been mean to him with a tank. That's not an exaggeration. You can look it up. Like James Sterling pointed it out uh, when it happened, um, and it's it's hilarious, but also like wow, like definitely overreacted there. <laughs> yeah, but I can't say I'm going to shed too many tears about them. But the the third one being banned from Steam, like certain Steam barely has any standards. It must be something particularly egregious. Yeah, I mean, judging from what they said, it's like the the rewards must be like images of um, or sexually explicit images. Now, you can play many games on Steam which include sexually explicit imagery. You can, it's true. But you can't do it of like a, a real person. It's got to be um, either computer generated sort of Witcher like free brothels. Um, yeah. Or it can be the sort of hentai imagery because Lord knows there's a lot of those games. Also. Yeah, I was gonna say it's plus you know it's visual novels. Yeah, I've played some of them. Um, they are a big genre, obviously. They are. It's a lot of effort to go to just for porn, though. <laughs> so, some people want some sort of interaction, some sort of chase, even if it's fictional. Um, and also, we got like an amazing Doki Doki Literature Club out of that whole subgenre. So we did. That's true. I don't. There's some fucking great visual novel games I've played that you know feature, shall we say, a risque content. Um, like I'm not knocking it as a genre. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm knocking the ones. I'm, I can't. I kind of knocking the ones that exist purely for cartoon boobies. Because deviant art exists. <laughs> we we need to have a discussion about deviant art, you me, but that's not true games. Um, <laughs> deviant art games. exists for a lot of reasons, and there's some amazing artwork on there. But there's also a lot of there is. Out there. I have a piece of artwork above me from deviant art. No boobies. I have a piece of artwork commissioned for the podcast up above me. Yeah. 
five years ago. Um, let's do games out next week. Moody normally does these because he's but he's not here. So March thirtieth, we have Disco Elysium, the final cut on PC, PS Five, PS Four, and Game Station. Google Stadia. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since you've been around. Yeah, Google Stadia launched. Yeah. <laughs> This really seems like a groundbreaking role-playing game. You're a detective with a unique set of skills. System that is both on a whole city block to carve your path across, interrogate unforgettable characters, crack murders, or take bribes, become a hero or an absolute disaster of a human being. There was a story I'm suddenly remembering Amy told me about a tie on a <laughs> on a ceiling fan. On a ceiling fan, and I always had low health and it killed me. Yeah. So it's Evil Genius 2. It's a terrible spy-filled lair building where you are the criminal mastermind. Construct your base, train your minions, defend your operation from the forces of justice and achieve global domination. A game for us all, this PC one, not just because it sounds like his ideal job, but also because it is on his list this year for... He named his team after it. Like, yeah. I wanted to pick up Evil Genius too on, on Fantasy Critic, but he named his team Evil Genius. I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah, do he, it. Yeah, not to do it as well. It's like so. Yeah. Also, on so I'm really looking forward to it as well. Navita Boy on PS, uh, PlayStation, sorry, for PC, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Become symphonic in Narita Boy, a radical action adventure on legendary pixel hero trap as a mere echo of the digital kingdom. Discover the mystery behind the techno sword, lock sword, and corrupt and tainted stallions. Save Sounds the world. Cool. It's launching Game Pass as well. Yeah. So, next up we have March the 31st. The Binding of Isaac. Repentance on PC. Experience the modern-day classic, The Binding of Isaac, like you've never seen it before. It's a game too big to be called a sequel. Repentance takes Isaac to new heights of roguelike dungeon adventure as the brave boy descends into the basement for his greatest challenge yet. And finally, on April the 1st, we have Outriders on PC, PS5, PS4. Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S and Xbox One. As soon as I saw the abbreviation you put on here, Amy, I just thought X going to give it to you. But Ah. brutal and bloody (laughs) combat, frantic gunplay, violent powers, and deep RPG systems create true genre hybrid. Genre hybrid, sorry. And that is all the games we've got coming out this week. I believe you've got something else to do though at the end of this podcast, but no one to gloat at. Glot, I'm losing, Keith. Who would I glot at? I'm losing. Um, also, like, I don't know if you have Game Pass or not, but me and Moody are jumping in our riders, and it's got three player co op. Just saying. And I should probably mention, because I just realized it wasn't in the description, our riders is also launching into Game Pass <laughs> <laughs> on April 1st. But uh, it's time for Open Critic Head. To head. This is the game myself and Moody and sometimes people who aren't us who turn up play every single week where we try to guess the open critic average of one upcoming game. Whoever gets closest gets one point. If you manage to guess the score completely correctly, you get two points. Last week... Because we there was a week earlier in the year where no new games had come out, so we missed a week. We decided to do two games. Monster Hunter Rise and It Takes Two. So I'll go through them both, I guess. Monster Hunter Rise, 
I guessed it would get an 86. Moody guessed it would get an 88. We predicted this on the podcast last week as well. At the time of recording, Monster Hunter Rise has an 87 open critic average, which means it's a draw. <laughs> which means nobody gets a point. We also tried to guess the open critic average of It Takes Two. I guessed it would get a 76. Moody guessed it would get an 80. And at the time of recording, It Takes Two is currently the highest reviewed new release of 2021 with an open critic average of 88. <laughs> Which means Moody gets the point. Which puts the current scores at Amy 4, Moody 6, Foxes 0, and 2 draws. Foxes was here for a week. Um, and he guessed one of the things, but he didn't get, get the point. This week, we're guessing the open critic average of Outriders. So Moody's already submitted a score because mm -hmm. he didn't want to be like, he didn't want you to guess on his behalf because he complains about stuff a lot. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I didn't lose. I only lost because Keith guessed strong on Outriders. Would have been a thing I would have heard nonstop at the end of the year if, if he'd won, but if I'd won. Um, but what I want to do is, because you're here, yeah. and like... Again, I don't mean this in a mean way. The chances of you being here like for very many of these podcast episodes is, is pretty low. Yeah. But I want you to feel included in the game because it's just it's, otherwise it. otherwise it's just me talking to myself. <laughs> and that's not a great way to win a podcast. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna give you a guess and put you yeah. in the game. But I'm gonna give you a multiplier. This is a very high multiplier because you're not gonna be on very many podcasts so the normal rules are if you guess closest you get one point if you guess the score completely correctly you get two points and that's going to apply for me and moody like mm -hmm. if one of us is closest and one of us guesses correctly we'll get one or two points if you guess the score closest out of the three of us you're going to get 10 points the multiplier is times 10 and if you guess the score correctly you're going to get 20 points I don't think so, that's going to be enough to let you win overall, unless we yeah. draw a shitload over the rest of the year. But I think it would just be funny if you were in the lead for like the next 15 weeks. Yeah, I've got a lot riding on this getting a 78 then. Is that what you're going with, a 78? Yeah. I don't know enough about the game to make a real like hard guess. So I was looking at the Monster Hunter and it takes two scores. And I was thinking about what other scores, the games that we'll put on... Um, Fancy critical card. Then I looked down and saw Moody's score, and I was like, eh, I'm closer than not getting that. Yeah. <laughs> Moody messaged me, um, so he's guessed it's going to get an 83. Um, see, I'm the one who's played this. I played the demo like three times through um, mm -hmm. with three different characters. So I played about six hours of it. Um, and I don't know, because th the thing is, it's an online co op game. It's not a live yeah. service game, but it is still a game that relies on, on like online functionality. Yeah. Which means that it might not matter how, how good or bad the game is if it launches with bad, broken servers. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it could tank just based on that. Yeah, I get you. However, I enjoyed what I played a lot. Mm -hmm. And, like, I know you haven't really been here since we started Open Critic Head to Head as a thing, but, like... Yeah. Of the two video game based games that we play, the meta games, Open Critic, yeah. Head to Head, and Fantasy Critic, like there's one I take seriously, 
And there's one I'm, I'm just excited to... I'm just happy to be here for. <laughs> and you can tell which is which. Yeah. Um, and I like the game, so I'm going to believe in the game. Um, and I'm going to guess that it's going to get an 84. An 84. For 84 or higher, you win. Yes. Uh, 83 is moody. 79, 80, 81, 82. So 83, 82, 81. Moody gets moody wins. And then 80. 80 or below. Yeah. You activate your 10 times multiplier. (laughs) Absolutely. If it hits 78. <laughs> if it is 78, yeah. I mean, it's still a 10 times multiplier, but it's just you get 2 yeah. times 10 points. Yeah. Uh, Moody just rings you up and, like, what on earth have you done? I mean, that's what he gets for not being here. I'm just kidding. He's been doing a game jam all week, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's cool. It's fine. It, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to talking more about it next week. Um, or tomorrow, because I think we're playing a takes two together tomorrow. But, uh, I mean, it's, yeah. I may or may not have only picked 84 just purely to squeeze Moody as much as possible. <laughs> I was thinking. I'm not looking for the two-pointer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's, you know, as as you would say, Keith, allegedly. Allegedly. Nobody can prove okay. that's what I did. <laughs> right, then. I think that finishes it up. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Hopefully it's not another year and a half before we have you back on. Don't think it will be. Um... Like, we experimented a a few weeks ago with having a third person on the podcast again. Um, And it was good. And you know what? I missed that dynamic of having three people. I mean, the reason it became a two-person podcast was because it was me and you were like ride or die. (laughs) At the time, and then I just kind of carried that on, but you know, like I said to Foxes uh, when he was on uh, a few, um, like I think it was like a month ago. At this point, like there's always an open chair for him, and the same goes for you. Like there's always an open chair on the on the podcast, not so much on the weekly review mm-hmm. for uh, reasons. For for reasons, like yeah, you've been on one about Monster Prom, and I'm sure you'll be on others about other indie games, but like. Yeah. Just, yeah, just come on. As you can see from having watched it on and off, but also from now being on it, it it's not all as focused on doom and gloom as it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Come on. It was like one doom and gloom news story this week, and I cut it. <laughs> because I couldn't be bothered with it. I'm sick of Activision Blizzard. Um, yeah, that's gonna do it. Episode two hundred and fifty next week. So, yeah, I might do something special. We'll see. You might do. I suppose it depends. But that's gonna do it for this one. Say bye, yeah, bye. Keith. Yeah.